0: You are listening to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast, Episode 92, When One Co-Parent Does Not Consent for Child's Baptism. Welcome to the LDS Divorce Coach Podcast. I'm your host, Emily Sanchez. I have five kids and I love sports and the piano, and I'm also a certified life coach and divorce coach. Here I talk about living your best life, whether you're divorced, married, or single, it doesn't matter. Achievement is nothing without fulfillment. So let's go. Well, hello friends. How are you doing? Do you know what I noticed about myself is I always go straight to topic. I listen to a lot of podcasts and they talk about the weather or they talk about what's going on and small talk is very very hard for me. Hmm, interesting thing about me. I remember when I was dating my husband He would call on the phone and ask my opinion about cars and just want to talk on the phone about nothing. And it was really hard for me. Aren't I terrible? (laughs) But gosh, I guess I just want to get to the point of things. But I actually love deep conversations. Just small talk is a little bit hard for me. But today I have kind of a gut wrenching topic. At least that's what it feels like. What happens when one parent does not give permission for their child to be baptized? Hmm, that's a toughie. And if you are in this situation, as I know many of you currently are, and I have clients who are, it can feel like your world is going to end. It can feel devastating. And we'll get to that in a minute. But we're, we're, we're thinking of our child's salvation, right? We're thinking of trying to do and be the best parents that we can be. And when it's getting blocked by the other parent, it just hurts. It hurts. And I know you're out there trying. So what does the church handbook say? Let's start with that. A minor child may be blessed, baptized, confirmed, ordained to a priesthood office, or set apart to a calling only with the consent of, one, parents who have a legal right to participate in the decision, or two, legal guardians. For questions about the legal rights of non-custodial parents, the bishop or stake president seeks legal advice from the church's office of general counsel or from the area office. And what I've also seen is basically, in the case of divorced parents, If you share custody at all, that's 50-50, 70-30, 80-20, even 90-10, then both of you have to consent. If you are the 100% custodial parent, then you do not have to have that consent on the other side. So that means if you are the 100% legal, sole legal custodial parent, that might mean that The other parent gets visitation, whether supervised or unsupervised. But it isn't like a normal every other weekend or every other week or anything like that. It would have to be a a visitation that you have sole custody, 100%. There's other clauses in the divorce decree where one parent could make the decision. And one clause is called final say or tiebreaker. Lots of people write this into their divorce decree that they, of course, consult each other. But if they cannot agree, then there is one parent who will be the tiebreaker. But that has to be worded right there in your your decree. Another one uh, is a religious clause. I know many people who put religious clauses. They spell it right out. And you have a good lawyer and you agree to it and you foresee that your ex is not going to be active or they may not want that for their children, go ahead and put it in there. You can put it in there, there's no problem with that. You can certainly spell it out that both of you will allow the baptism to occur within 30 days of the birthday of their eighth birthday. I mean, you can completely spell that out. you can also spell out that uh, your children will attend Uh, The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints on Sundays at this place. I mean, you you can completely spell those out. But if you don't have that written in there, what do you do, right? When you both have to have that consent. There has also been cases where even if this is the case, like even if you have final say, even if you are the tiebreaker, uh, the state presidents and bishops won't allow the baptism to happen until both give permission. I've seen that too. So what if you are caught in that conundrum? Let's try to wrap our heads around it for one second, okay? So why do we want our kids to be baptized? Well, we know the gospel of Jesus Christ <laughs> says that except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We read that right from the mouth of Christ in the Bible. We know that it's necessary for salvation. We've been taught our whole lives that after the age of eight, that age of accountability, if we die without being baptized and have the knowledge, then we're out of luck, right? We're damned. (laughs) Gosh, that's it. So there's this huge fear. There's huge fear behind it. But wait, 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 wait. What about the doctrine of baptism for the dead? For all those who haven't had the opportunity to have that knowledge, aren't they presented with that opportunity? Okay, so yes, the knowledge is there. But the key here is the word opportunity. If you have an ex who is blocking this, there you go. That's the opportunity. There is not the opportunity to be baptized. Therefore, if they somehow miss it, or when they're 18 years old, and they further decide not to, they will get the opportunity according to our full doctrine. Would they not be entitled to that? Would they not be in the same category in that baptism for the dead? I submit that they will be in that same category. So that's number one to me, that's opportunity, that we know that Christ is mighty to save. He knows his sheep, and he will make sure there is the opportunity for this to occur, whether in this this life or in the next. I can promise you that one. If somebody is hedging up their opportunity, they will be granted through justice and mercy of Christ the opportunity in this next life. Okay, number two is desire. What is the desire of your child's heart? What's the desire of your heart? Oh gosh, there is a beautiful talk by Neil A. Maxwell called According to the Desire of Our Hearts. I really recommend you reading the entire thing. But I'm just going to read a little bit because I think our intention, our desire is so huge in the grand scheme of things. He says, therefore, what we insistently desire over time is what we will eventually become and what we will receive in eternity. For I said the Lord will judge all men according to their works, according to the desire of their hearts. That's in Doctrine and Covenants 137 and also Jeremiah 17. Alma said, I know that God granteth unto men according to their desire. I know that he allotteth unto men according to their wills. That's Alma 29.4. To reach this equitable end, God's canopy of mercy is stretched out, including all that die henceforth without a knowledge of the gospel, and I'm going to add opportunity, who would have received it with all their hearts shall be heirs of that kingdom. Oh gosh, and he further goes on, God thus takes into merciful account not only our desires and our performance, but also the degrees of difficulty which our varied circumstances impose upon us. Ooh, love it. Okay, desire is so huge. In other words, he sees you, he hears your prayers, he knows what a good mother you are in this desire. He knows what a good father you are, if if you are the father and the mother is the one not consenting. He knows you guys. You are his sheep. This desire is so key. And the desire of your child to be baptized. You know, if only it it was as easy as having a conversation with the co-parent who is not permitting it to see, have them see the desire of the child, what they really want, and to put egos aside. (laughs) I know that's really hard. And they have their reasons, and, but desire is huge for the child, too. To explain that to them, to explain to them that it's okay that you are unable to be baptized. Because you have the desire, God will make it as if you were. He will grant this to you. Don't worry. So that was number two in dispelling that fear is desire. Number three is environment. I think a lot of times we worry about the spiritual trajectory of our children. If they miss something, whether in this case, it's baptism, whether it's missing an activity, whether it's oh they have this when it's mutual, And they can't go to young women's, which means they're going to miss out on on these spiritual activities and growth and, you know, whatever. There is this trajectory that we see. And so I think that that is an honest and valid worry, um, because we do see what happens when they get more exposure to activities and being there in the spirit. But also, I think we place way too much worry on that. At least I know I do. There's amazing another amazing talk, okay, by Boyd K. Packer. It's called Our Moral Environment. Wonderful. He talks about how, as parents, we're trying so hard. You know, we know how important it is to raise our children. And we hear quotes like, no other success can compensate for failure in the home. So we're so worried about the failure, 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 we're going to just fail as parents, right? But he says we need to remember a little thing called environment. All those circumstances, all those influences that are around that will be factored in their salvation. And he says, the measure of our success as parents, however, will not rest solely on how our children turn out. That judgment would be just only if we could raise our families in a perfectly moral environment. And that now is not possible. It is not uncommon for responsible parents to lose one of their children for a time. To influences over which they have no control. They agonize over rebellious sons or daughters. They are puzzled over why they are so helpless when they have tried so hard to do what they should. It is my conviction that those wicked influences one day will be overruled. Oh my gosh, did you feel that? I love it. The prophet Joseph Smith declared, and he never taught a more comforting doctrine, that the eternal sealings of faithful parents and the divine promises made to them for valiant service in the cause of truth would save not only themselves, but likewise their posterity. Though some of the sheep may wander, The eye of the shepherd is upon them. And sooner or later, they will feel the tentacles of divine providence reaching out after them and drawing them back to the fold. Either in this life or the life to come, they will return. They will have to pay their debt to justice. They will suffer for their sins and may tread a thorny path. But if it leads them at last, like the penitent prodigal, to a loving and forgiving father's heart and home, The painful experience will not have been in vain. Pray for your careless and disobedient children. Hold on to them with your faith. Hope on, trust on, till you see the salvation of God. That is so beautiful. And we're not even talking about our kids being rebellious. I get it. But we think there's a trajectory that may happen with them not being able to be baptized. That's a legitimate concern. So I just wanted to offer that to you, that this will be factored in, and the judgment for this will be upon those who hedged up this decision, not upon what the child may do. So I love that. I also love that it touches upon the fact of being sealed. If your children were born in the covenant, they have those blessings, even if you're divorced. Because you entered that covenant, and you are remaining faithful to it, that's what seals it. What seals it and makes it bear its effects for eternity are your faithfulness. I've talked about this in podcasts before, where this actually is an individual ordinance, an individual covenant. As weird as that may sound, because we always think that it's hinged upon the agency of somebody else. But that would not be Christ's merciful way at all so as long as we are doing what we need to do with our faith and honoring those covenants and remaining worthy our children are under that umbrella they are it means something it means much more than we can even see the chain is not broken between us and them. It isn't according to your faithfulness. It is is not. And Brigham Young goes on and says, let the father and mother who are members of this church and kingdom take a righteous course and strive with all their might, never to do a wrong, but to do good all their lives if they have one child or 100 children. If they conduct themselves towards them as they should binding them to the Lord by their faith and prayers I care not where those children go they are bound up to their parents by an everlasting tie and no power of earth or hell can separate them from their parents in eternity they will return again to the fountain from whence they sprang that's beautiful it makes me want to cry I love it so those three things can give us a little bit greater of a perspective and it can help alleviate that fear. And you know, it's interesting, every time there seems to be that fear, <laughs> I have this equation, that the more faith you have, the more you trust in the Lord, the greater your relationship is there, the less fear. So how can we write this as an equation? I don't know, faith squared, greater than negative fear. I I don't know. I'm not a mathematician, but it is something, isn't it? So what can you do right now? What what if you're right in the middle of the situation? My advice, as weird as it may sound, okay, is to diffuse it and de-escalate. Okay, this is really good if you're dealing with someone who is a narcissist or just likes to be in control of everything. If you can... Play it low-key, especially if you're a full 100% custodian, you know, custodial custody. You can play it very, very low-key and have that permission and, and go forward with it without making a big fuss about it With if you know that the other parent is going to disagree. But if you're in a situation where you need both parties to have that consent, you've got to just de-escalate and accept and trust. Try really hard as you to diffuse this situation and as you're de-escalating to have a rational conversation about what your child wants. That may be able to happen, that may not. A lot of times, why the other parent is not giving permission is because they want to be the ones to baptize their child of course, in a perfect world, right? But maybe they are unworthy, and it will take years. So I would say to that, awesome. Let's have that conversation then. Okay, then, let's make a deal. Let's talk about when you know, let's set a boundary for that. If you can say, I'm really excited that you see how important baptism is, this is great. And you know that it's so important for them, (laughs) that let's figure out how long will it be until you'll be able to baptize them okay then set that date let's do it by this day if you are still unable to at this date who would you feel would be second in line to baptize our child you know involve him in that situation I could understand that would be very sad if if they couldn't and they wanted to and it's hard because we know them very well. So we're judging them. We know how bad maybe their problem is, or maybe they're living with someone and we have all those hurtful feelings. But remember, they have a savior too. So you have to step out of the box and think, okay, let's try really hard. They have a savior too, but you can also take that opportunity to see if you can make a deal. I just want to say good luck again faith makes fear dissipate. This is a a time that you don't want to be patient. You want to live and go by all those little rules that we see in the church right at their birthday. So I know how hard it can be to wait. It feels like torture, but I promise you, take these things into consideration. Practice them in your life. It can make a difference. If you need further help, please reach out to me Just email me at CoachEmilySanchez at gmail.com. I wish you so much luck and make it what you want. Have a great day. Love you guys. Bye. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. If you enjoyed the podcast, please write a review, subscribe, share. And if you'd like to do some personal coaching with me, hop on over to my website, CoachEmilySanchez.com.